welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 46, Episode 5 of SNL with host John Mulaney and musical guest The Strokes. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy these selected highlights from this week's discussion, and if you'd like to watch our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, you can find it exclusively on Patreon and Subscribestar forward slash snlpodcast. It's our supporters who make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Okay, Mulaney's back for a fourth time. We got a fresh monologue, another musical installment, and hopefully our last election material for the season. <laughs> last pre-election material. I don't think it's the last we will hear of uh, <laughs> the election goings on. But uh, before we, we get into that, uh, you want to <laughs> cover our, uh, thank our patrons? I want to thank Dave Hassar from the glorious capital of Canada, Ottawa, Ontario, and Chelsea from California. Two new patrons. We're so happy to have them on board. And just a reminder to anyone that would like to check out our full-length coverage, you can save 10% on Patreon if you choose to pay annually. Otherwise, uh, you get our full video coverage for 4 bucks a month, which I think is a steal. If, uh, if you agree, please head over to Patreon, support us, and uh, then you can get our coverage, which is clocking in right now around an hour 20 an episode. So there's plenty of content to be had. Uh, for anyone that would love to join us on Patreon or Subscribestar. I'm supposed, oh, yes, I'm supposed to make an announcement. Uh, on November 3rd, there is an elderly man contest. <laughs> John Mulaney reassures us that post-election slumber parties will still be problematic. <laughs> Steve, uh, did this monologue work for you? Absolutely. It had all of the Mulaneyisms <laughs> that we've come to know and love. And I'm seeing a bit of a streak in uh, monologue uh, fibs. You know, we had first black host with uh, first black female host with Issa Rae, which mm. is obviously not true. And now we have John Mulaney claiming that four times is the most <laughs> anyone's ever hosted. This was so good. And I'm happy to say that every time I thought it was over, there was a little bit more like this monologue went on for a little bit and I didn't mind. It didn't feel too long. I knew it was going on for a while, but I was having so much fun. I did not mind at all. Yeah. So like some of the other standups, I think particularly with Chris Rock, we were sort of batting around or we may be seeing some rougher material because they're not able to test it out. Uh, but with Mulaney, this, this felt pretty smooth. This felt pretty polished. Uh, I think he, I think he has tried it out a little bit at some socially distanced things, but I mean, he, this was felt pretty top form Mulaney. I really enjoyed it, <clears throat> particularly the, uh, the joke about grandma's not voting, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's an ongoing battle in my family. So I felt that, uh, and like the, the Nazi joke I thought was particularly very good. I thought that was really hilarious. The sleepover thing rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, uh, <laughs> just because of, the message there was that voting doesn't matter, and I think that's a bad message to be sending. But at the end of the day, I don't think Mulaney's monologue is really going to be influencing in huge numbers, so I'm, I'm okay with it. 
But uh, I didn't didn't love that part. So you know. he was also telling people to ruin their ballots. So. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> it was questionable at a few parts, but overall, I thought it was a very great monologue. Now, Catherine. Yes. <laughs> I don't think SNL has ever veered closer to doing a 90 minute advertisement for the Democratic ticket than they did. This is true tonight. So I, I don't know if we should be sweating it that Mulaney <laughs> had the audacity to goof on voting rather than, you know, go all in on the social messaging, which we got a heck of a lot of. Um, yeah, I, I think we, we got our fill. At least that's how I was feeling. So <laughs> I was happy that, uh, he played both sides of that a little bit. Like when he was doing his whole, you know, there's this one old guy and then there's this other old guy and you got to pick which old guy. That you part like the was best. funny. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's, you know, like that's a fun take on the whole silliness of elections, uh, especially in this situation where you have two guys that from a distance, they don't pass the squint test as far as one being particularly <laughs> right. better than the other one is just slightly more orange. Um, so it was kind of fun that, that he, he kind of took that approach of like, they're just old white guys that are just going to do the same stupidity that we've had forever. So like, let's not get all worked up. I, I thought that's kind of a fun take that you don't hear much of because people are so impassioned that they wouldn't, mm -hmm. they wouldn't want to do something down the middle. They, they feel a need to advocate for, for their side. So the fact that he didn't, at least at that point, I thought was kind of fun, you know, in uh, the diner lobster outing that we got tonight, there was, you know, he had some, something to say about voting there and uh, we, we got it you know, sprinkled in the whole show. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I felt like that was kind of refreshing. I, I liked a take on elections that just pointed out that isn't it all kind of idiotic when you really just step back and look at it. That that's something I could get on board with, but yeah, I'm, I'm willing to let, let go of the whole thing because taking into account the rest of the episode, but I, I could, I couldn't let it go enough to not bring it up. So okay. here we are. <laughs> In the end, I guess that Trump was right, that he is not a typical politician, since politicians don't typically spend the last week of the election murdering their own voters. Che and a newly married Colin Johansson discuss the latest election season drama. Steve, did you feel like Weekend Update is continuing to improve? This was, this was uh, definitely on par. If not full improvement, it was consistent in its quality for sure. Definitely uh, an angry mob of an audience when it comes to <laughs> hearing what uh, Trump had to say about doctors and, and COVID. Yeah. That's our president recently saved by doctors. So this was uh, yet another outing where they pull off the gloves, you know, comparing the president to serial killers and, you know, speculating on their body count. That's, that's some wild stuff that, you know, before, 2020, man, this is, yeah, this is peak 2020. And yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say that anything has been seen before like this. So. Yeah. I thought, I didn't think this was uh, one of the stronger updates of the season, but like Steve sort of said last week, Jost and Shay are at a point in their tenure where like even the ones that aren't as good as the rest are still really good. So definitely wasn't bad, but I didn't I didn't think it was as good as some of the others we've seen. One thing that I wanted to mention that I haven't really hit on in any of our discussions so far is this thing that Colin always does when he's setting up a joke if it's about a specific person. Jared Kushner, who always looks like a child dressed up for a funeral. <laughs> and he does it about Every single person he tells a joke about, 
Oh, and he only does really... it about Mitch McConnell. He only, that's that's something that he's only <laughs> he's reserved for Mitch McConnell because he looks like the villain in uh, a classical horror movie. Um, but he's branching out now. That was the big thing tonight is that he's taken that goof and he's now going to take on any awkward I've... looking, you know, dark political figure. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like I've heard him do it about people other than McConnell. Yeah, you have. Okay, maybe Catherine. maybe yeah. I'm in left field, but I you thought have. it was just I mean, Mitch McConnell. Mac- McConnell is definitely more prevalent. <laughs> um, but but yeah, think it's, of all it's the just... lawyers and, and doctors that Trump has had that are eccentric. What about that hot air yeah, balloon the, guy? Yeah, the Muppet doctor. Muppet doctor, hot yeah, air balloon it, lawyer. But it's this specific thing where they cut to Colin and mm-hmm. the the um the like the heads up graphic of the person mm-hmm. in an obviously weird pose that the second mm-hmm. that he taps into what he sees when he looks at this person you're like yeah it's all there on the screen there's a there's a very specific little beat he does when setting up that that mm-hmm. joke um so even though like you know pete davidson has goofed on pretty much everyone in the administration at some point and like right. of course they 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 mock uh these people that one particular format i think has been reserved for maybe just a very select few politicians that yeah. are particularly creepy like a <laughs> yeah. couple weeks ago it was like yeah, president and active bioweapon Donald Trump, which is a little bit different format. You are right. Sure. Um, no, but, it's like Mitch McConnell, who, you know, uh, right, who looks is, like is a watching a, a, a carriage go down a hill or something like that. Like, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's a very, it's, there's something a little more precise about yes. the Mitch McConnell stuff. Anyway, that's fair. We've, we've definitely gone deep on that. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's this, just this little touch that I always really mm-hmm. appreciate. And I think that those are really yeah, well written and, it's a great way to just get into put a joke at the beginning of a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just something that Colin does that I wanted to call out is something that I think is a big win. So, uh, John, how'd you feel about weekend? Update? Um, I'm not sure if I'm being a hundred percent objective because I didn't think this was their best, but I'll be the first to admit that at this point I could feel myself hitting my wall for like overt political statements. I'm all for like goofing on the politics, but it seems like there was just so much campaigning going on from Jostin Che in the midst of all this that that always pulls me right out. Cause I'm like, just make the jokes. Like the, the jokes will mm-hmm. say the truth about the situation. If you just make good jokes, why do you have to telegraph what you want us to do? Like not everyone here is a U.S. voter and wants to be beaten over the head with that. So mm-hmm. for me, this was the point in the show where I was really feeling like that was just coming on a little too strong. I get it. It's the week before the election. I get it. You know, Catherine, you'll, you, you've um, obviously shown tonight that people have stakes, you know, like people, yeah. uh, the, the outcome of this is going to be very uh, momentous to people. So I, I get why everyone's worked up. But for me personally, I, I just felt like I just, I just don't need that goof on the politicians. Do, do what comedians do. Take them down a peg, but stop telling me what I'm supposed to think. Just, you know, like, let's let's have some fun at these people's expense without all of the stumping um so that for me was hurting it but mm-hmm. i don't think that the quality of the writing was bad and i, I don't think that right. there was anything that really fell flat in particular so i don't think that it was bad it just it it wasn't connecting with me because i just i don't have the same view of u.s politics as people in the bubble are gonna have with it right Oh, yeah, man. but a uh, shout out to the writers, you know, um, I mean, they mad awkward to be around, uh, but they come up with some fuego ideas, bro, you know, I just wish they'd let me dance a little more, you know what I'm saying, it's like, hey, hey, uh, Baby Yoda is back, and he ain't friends with Baby Groot, so, uh, Steve, did you like this, uh, second appearance of Baby Yoda? Uh, yeah, surprised that he would come back. I mean, he's just so not cute in this form. 
<laughs> and <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's it just hurts to look at him. <laughs> so hey, this is you know the kind of uh, ballsy stuff that Kyle is known for. So I shouldn't be surprised. It did hit me on this on this uh, occasion that this is kind of like Kyle's version of Gumby. You know, uh, mm-hmm. obviously the green skin. <laughs> uh, helps with the comparison, but when you think about what Eddie Murphy was doing, you know, he was taking a wholesome, lovable character that's so cute and all the kids love, but in, in behind the scenes, he was, you know, kind of his, his fame has gone to his head. He's, uh, really rough around the edges and it's yeah, just, just irredeemable. Yeah. Just a, <laughs> just a diva of, 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 of a, of a large scale. So I feel like he's taking a similar approach to making a behind the scenes baby Yoda. That's kind of like, you know, like what you would imagine Justin Bieber to be like, or, or any <laughs> of these like uh, Nickelodeon Disney Mickey mouse club kids. It's uh YouTubers, the YouTuber influencers and all these people sliding into your DMs. <laughs> I, I was fine with baby Yoda the first time he was on. I didn't love it. I was just sort of like, yeah, that was fine. <laughs> This one I thought was a big improvement. Um, it might have something to do with just I knew more what to expect from it this time. So I kind of, as he came out, you know, I knew what I was getting into. There was no having to like kind of onboard me to it. But this just felt stronger. I was, I was more on board with it for whatever reason. And this one I thought was a big improvement. And now that I've seen that, I, I would like to see Baby Yoda, you know, a few more times. I'd be down for it. So, uh, John, what did you think? Um. I hate that this was such a big improvement over the original and <laughs> has genuine merit in the writing because I've decided that I hate this weekend update feature <laughs> and there's very little on SNL that I, I genuinely hate, but I, I believe very strongly in my heart that this is the wrong approach for this joke. I feel like this should be a puppet and I feel like it should be Mikey day under the desk. And I feel like, the same kind of dialogue, but delivered by something that is small and cute and adorable, but acting baller and act and fronting and starting beefs and, you know, doing all of this, you know, um, mm-hmm. young buck crap. Um, I think it would play so much better if it wasn't this distracting, huge prosthetic <laughs> on top of Kyle with his beady little eyes, which betray the, hey. the baby Yoda character. Cause if if they could make this character cute, the, to me, the joke would make so much more sense. But I, yeah. this thing comes out, and I think that the joke is that in in real life, like Baby Yoda is just some sort of like weird, grotesque thing. Like it's hard for me to separate what I'm seeing on screen from the character that I think it would be really hilarious to hear vulgarities come out of his mouth. That little baby puppet. If they mm-hmm. had a low rent version of that delivering these same kind of stupidity, I, I think it'd be brilliant. I hadn't considered that, but I do think that there would it would be an improvement if if they could get the you know the a puppet or even just the little animated version of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, very interesting takes on Baby Yoda. Then let's keep going. Hey, Times Square minion, <laughs> why don't you show this guy the back of the store where the people of Times Square habitate? <laughs> The fourth installment of Mulaney's mm. signature New York-themed musical opus takes us into the back of a Times Square souvenir shop with a cameo from, of course, Maya Rudolph. So, Steve, <laughs> the 
the fourth installment. Did we need it? Did you like it? How'd you feel? Well, I didn't hate it, and I wouldn't necessarily say it was my favorite of the four. I don't think we're going to get the uh, the heights ever again that we saw in the first <laughs> one or two. I mean, I really love the bodega. I really love the diner. Mm-hmm. This one, it was still a lot of fun. You could tell it's a bit smaller scale. That's one thing they have working against it with COVID and all the restrictions. They can't one-up the last one like they've been trying to do. So Mm -hmm. it kind of doesn't really stand a chance because that really was the challenge they were giving themselves when, you know, when the world was still spinning. And yeah, it was a little bit different. Like they had to, I mean, they completely forgot about the, the underwear after a while and they had to really just <laughs> hand remember what started all this in. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> which almost made it like a whole new meta joke is like yeah this uh this is what we were doing remember it wasn't the strongest setup of the four you know diner lobster we get it bodega bathroom gross airport sushi how dare you <laughs> Times square underwear is it as immediately like Oh God, how, you know, it's not yes, as immediately we've all offensive. had this experience of being right. faced with having to buy underwear. Yeah. yeah. No, you're <laughs> so, right. It's not, it's not quite as much of a truism. Yeah. Right. It did. Right. So it, it wasn't as striking of a setup and didn't leave as many great specifics as something like Diner Lobster, but I was having fun with it. You know, I think we were sort of ready for it to say three is good. Let's end it. But with the year we've had. Give me some more. It's, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be a fun time. So I'm here for it. So even though it wasn't, I think it's probably the weakest of the four. I still had a good time with it. I still liked it. John? They work so hard to make these special. And (laughs) the only critique I can really offer is the same one I've offered since the second one, which is without the, the surprise of them going all out right after update and just giving you this unexpected treat of, the biggest sketch that they're capable of producing and bringing down the house without, without the, the surprise of it, mm-hmm. it just, it can't be as fun, you know? And now we have anticipation because we're expecting it to come back. And so mm-hmm. now it's so inevitable that it just, it doesn't feel as grand. And I think you guys are right that, you know, no wire work. Like there's, there's certain things that they just can't do. They, they don't have sets ascending out of the way to make room for like, you know, <laughs> there, right. they, there just isn't as much theatrics that they can bake into this. So, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to just keep one upping yourself when they already shot so high on the first one. You know, when mm-hmm. you're already at the top, what what can you do? Um, so I would have been happy to have it be left as a trilogy if they'd come back and they'd stuff the back half of this with just tried and true Mulaney type, um, specific, mm-hmm. oddly dark but disarmingly charming type of heady dialogue rich sketches. If they'd given us a back half full of that, I would have been happy to start a new tradition of let's just turn out some really great sketch comedy when, when Mulaney comes rather than feel like we have to keep doing this because the fans Mm -hmm. expect it, but I totally understand it. If they didn't do it, everyone on the internet would be screaming and the world's already (laughs) burning. We do not need another excuse for riots. So you got (laughs) to give them another one. And honestly, in the midst of COVID, there was a story as much as it was kind of a a shoehorn kind of scenario what they ended up singing about was all pretty darn inspired. It was, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 it had merit as mm-hmm. a bunch of people on top of their game, creating good material. It's just, it'll always live in the shadow and there's no way around right. it. So 
Uh, I'll always be split on these, but I still appreciate the the try and the effort of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another thing that I think is sort of starting to work against them is that the songs are not as recognizable anymore. Mm. Um, so, True. and didn't they go back to Les Mis in this one did. at one point? Yeah, so yeah, they, it, they ended with Les Mis again. Yeah, uh, which is a little, you know, they they've already done it, but it was nice because it was very immediately recognizable. Some of these other ones, I don't know what they were based on um i'm not the biggest broadway person uh Mm -hmm. but i do like broadway so i consider myself you know fairly knowledgeable so i think that's in addition to the increasingly large shadow they're also sort of starting to run out of uh immediately recognizable songs so yeah they got to dig deeper and deeper and so it doesn't pay the same kind of dividends it's true right if you want to see our full sketch by sketch review search for snl after party patreon or subscribestar.com it's the end of our rundown so let's get into our overall thoughts john how about you go first with the moment of the night uh i gotta give it to chloe Feynman just taking over that whole musical sketch with 10 seconds of incredibly um just 100 percent committed performance you know her whole body was in it she was mm-hmm. she just had like she put some, some stank on it and just like her, her voice had like some growl and she just really, really inhabited that character for 10 seconds. And it's just really nice to see her again, prove that she's not a one trick pony, that she's, she's got a lot that she's bringing to the show. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good choice. I'm a little torn between uh, the missed high five and the uncle meme. That was really great. Accidentally. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Nazi joke at the beginning. The Nazis. Well, we're trying to fight the new Nazis. If you get out of the way and stop voting for people you saw in between. And since Uncle Meme overall wasn't as much of a win, I'm going to go with the Nazi joke. I think that one, it spoke to me on a personal level and I thought it was just a really, really great joke. So that one has made me really giggle every time. Steve, what's your moment? I have a uh, special moment. There was a few moments all clustered from the same spot that i was wondering what i would give it to it was all essentially the same stuff it was the birds with their little little uh, hands mm. or feet or whatever you call them their appendages doing things that birds don't do i decide to go with the glass cutting shot sure the little uh <laughs> little bird foot holding that and and just the the stiffness the the clear the clear uh you know holding of a stick with a bird foot on the end like so hastily <laughs> done i loved it it was funny yeah those were fun little things like the bird with with the gun and stuff those were all pretty funny shots yeah so, fair enough well, let's talk about the best sketch john i don't think i've ever given to a cinema classics before but i think i'm gonna tonight interesting usually the cinema classics they're they're usually kind of a a one joke sketch like there's one fun observation, but they usually can't go too far with it. And that's why it's nice that you can always just cut it when it loses steam and go back to Keenan for one kind of capper joke. This one, I just, I felt like by embracing the absurd, they were able to get a lot more out of that goof of, well, how do you make birds scary? And how is it that anyone watches the birds today and still feels that there's any legit menace and can suspend their disbelief. I really, really like that observation. And, mm-hmm. uh, for Mulaney to, 
again, do what he does, which is observe and articulate all the stupidity in the world around him in such mm-hmm. detail. Uh, having him in the mix, I think, really made this one shine a little bit more, too. Very good. I'm going to give it to uh, Strollin' to the Poles. Mm. I thought that one was really exceptional. Been stuck in my head all day. And just a just a good, funny social commentary going on. So yep. that's what it is. Steve, what's your best? I'm siding with John on the uh, cinema classics, Birds. It was so great. And as I was saying, there was a lot to enjoy. The, the premise of it, uh, the attitude of certain characters, the wire work and uh, <laughs> half-assed uh, attempt at creating a, a bird attack. And yeah, just the weird, unpredictable uh, direction that they decided to take it. It was interesting to see uh, <laughs> uh, so early in the show. And sure, Halloween gets a bit strange sometimes when it comes <laughs> to SNL sketches. Uh, I don't know. I just felt it was refreshing. All right. Well, the next up is MVP. Who's it going to, John? I'm going to give it to Chris Red. He was involved in the writing on uh, the Strollin music pre-tape. Um, he completely botched a, a high five with Pete Davidson <laughs> in that meme sketch, which was really like, so I think funny. the funniest thing in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he was, he was just doing the job. He, he popped up in a lot of sketches and everything that he was offering was perfectly fine. So I think this week it's just kind of a volume thing. I was torn between Chris and Chloe. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Chloe had that really breakout moment in in the musical, and I thought was maybe the best part of the musical. Yeah. And I was leaning towards giving it to her, but John, actually, since you mentioned that Chris also wrote Strolling to the Poles, I'm I'm mm-hmm. back to giving it to Chris. Uh, he yeah. had a really strong showing in everything he was in, and also nailed the writing on that one. So I think I think he edges her out a little bit. So Steve, do you want to make the MVP uh, unanimous? No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> Steve. I mean, I I think Chris was great. Him and Brian did really good on the uh, on the uh, uh, strolling to the pole sketch. But I really can't overlook everything that Kate McKinnon did in this episode. She did a lot of heavy lifting. She was back as Hillary first of all. Then she was Tippy in uh, in the Birds. She was the crazy uh, mm-hmm. lady in the yep. PSA. She was the the shrimp. In the uh, Isle of New York uh, underwear sketch, she was all over the place and everything she did stuck with me and was memorable. I felt like she uh, she takes it. And yeah, that's solid. It's very fair. Uh, yeah. Now that you've made that point, I've hurt my own feelings by not picking Kate McKinnon. Harumph. Here we go. All right. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak or train wreck. How do you rate this episode, John? Decent. I think that's an easy decent. Um, there's not much of a back half to speak of after the musical, um, but we got some competent sketches, nothing that really broke the mold. And it wasn't what I wanted to see from Mulaney, but it's really hard to fault a Mulaney monologue. The strokes landed good for me. Weekend update was competent and the musical, as much as they're not as inspired or exciting as they once were. You still got to tip your hat to all the effort that goes into that and how mm-hmm. everyone was bringing their all. Uh, we already talked about Chloe, but nobody fumbled in that. Melissa, like we didn't even talk about Melissa, but she finally got a chance to belt something out this season and she yeah. definitely owned her part too. So um, 
there was enough to like in this show that even though it, I didn't feel it was inspired and I felt it was really heavy handed on the, the political messaging, uh, I still feel like they were doing good work. So yeah, decent down the middle. Interesting. I think this one was an easy, great. Uh, I, there was only one sketch that really missed for me. Mm-hmm. And then the musical was more middle of the road, but everything else was a win. So I think uh, this one, I, I had no hesitations giving it a great. So Very good. Steve, are you going to break break the tie or decide it for us? Sure. Uh, I just got to stand up for this because I did put the pants on. <laughs> and I feel like if they're not in frame, then it's just a waste of my time to wear them. So I'm going to okay. be giving it to, uh, I'm going to be <laughs> Whose doing Whose idea uh, was it to convert over to video? Cause this, this is not <laughs> panning out the way I expected. <laughs> I'm going to do decent. I'm doing decent guys. I'm with you, you on that. You, you got all worked up over a decent. Well, yes, <laughs> but I just needed to, uh, I just needed to show my pants. Cause otherwise, why did I wear them? Right. Your what, what was it? Uh, slightly impressive bulge. <laughs> what was Pete's line? Like? <laughs> A modest bulge, mo- modest modest bulge, bulge yes. which does not apply to me. Thank you very much. Uh, I am going to give it a, a decent as well, because this was a bunch of really nice sketches with a couple of clunkers that bring down the, the whole overall episode. But God, these guys are tired. They should be <laughs> sure. Should, like, it's amazing that they can make an episode that's still decent. Yeah. You yeah. know in, what? In For a books. fifth outing in a row, it's still pretty solid like if, if you got to just look at the season and how well the show overall is firing yeah they're doing pretty good i you got to grant yeah. them that absolutely it's hard to write this much material <laughs> five, five weeks in a row absolutely so, so overall a little bit of mixed reviews but i think for the most part we're feeling decently positive about the fourth millennia outing mm-hmm. and i'm sure we're going to see him back for a fifth time next season Oh, probably this season, the way it goes. Like he was here in the spring, right? Like he's a seven monther. That's uh, yeah, that's Mulaney. Well, <laughs> that's a wrap. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with go-to post-election ringer Dave Chappelle. But until then, this has been episode number 120 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) 